Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. I am JT and I'm here with the very freshly cut, Joey. Thank you for recognizing. I thought I'd keep it sharp for you guys this week. What's up, YouTube? G.I. Joey. It's such a good cut and it's strong on you. I like it. I I get a bit lost, I'll be honest, with a haircut. Mm. What I don't like is when you go to the barber and you're like, Oh, give me that mid-fade that everyone else is getting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, even worse, when you're like, hey, let's do this, and you try something unique, and then you come out with the mid-fade that everyone else is getting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm always like, what can I, I – I want a barber that's like, hey, you know what we should do this time? Like I want yes. someone that brings Bit the creativity. Mm. But they're always just like, which fade do you want? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. That's what it's digressed to. Zero. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> you're still going to pay 60 bucks yeah. though. Like, it's crazy. It's, we could do a whole episode on barbershop arbitrage oh jesus keep an eye for that one guys stay tuned here's a very interesting thing that's come up recently how the hell do we keep up with the bjj revolution which is the constant constant evolution of gi no gi it's crazy like it, it is changing all the time it only takes less than a year and the game's changed and how do you even keep up this i'm question- living this Ah, we we all live in this. I don't know if you're you're not living it as much as I'm living it. Because I feel like you are very good at like you've you've been very current in recent years and I feel like you're also very good at recalling like you're a bit of an encyclopedia in my eyes when it comes to technique. I am a nerd and I've applied my nerd powers and what I do is I defer to people smarter than me. So straight away I go, Hey Lachlan Giles. Yeah. Yo. What do you think about this? And he's like, oh, this works, that doesn't. Yes, thank you. But you then remember that and you can recall it. Yeah. Whereas I might ask the f- person, yeah. I'll, I'll ask you and you'll yeah. tell me and then I'll forget it. Because <laughs> well, I, I write it down. What the fuck was he talking about? Yeah, guy, he's talking that shit again. No, guys, this actually was a serious question coming from a black belt. I said, you know, I've been a black belt for five years. I'm struggling to keep up. How do I help my white belt students who are just like, this is all like it's all new. Like when you first come to jujitsu, it's so big, and it was so big ten years ago. It's even infinitely bigger now. Yeah. So the way I want to start this off is to talk about a fair, fairly famous person in jujitsu, who it really surprised me when I got the backstory. So Marcelo Garcia. Never heard of him. Oh, there you go. Youth today. No idea. The goat considered the goat. Yeah. Four-time ADCC champion. I think absolute champion as a seventy-seven kilo guy. Like. Crazy, yeah, crazy game. Only trained no gi one or two days a week, mainly trained in the gi, right? And this was the mythology that Marcelo was so great, you know, at four times in the gi, four time ADCC champion, ridiculous. It ain't the same, you can't do that now. That was 10 years ago, and the reason why I say this is like, was that 10 or was that like, are we talking like? It's 15, 20. Yeah, but I mean, like he, he won his early last- Early 2000s? He won his last world championship in 2012 or 2014. Oh, wow. Okay. I, was actually, I was actually there when he did it. Yeah, right. He beat Lucas Leitch in the final. He was sleeping on the sideline. He was literally asleep. What, against before the, the barrier, match? Before the final. Wow. And literally Fabio Gaucho was like, hey, Marcelino, like bang on the thing. He just like woke up. 
went out and won. Ran out and just fucking what? That's cool. Crazy. But here's the thing. Like I wanted to like fast forward and we're looking at modern, modern day jujitsu. Get a guy like your boy, Mr. Handsome. Ooh, Nicholas Marangali. He's a good looking man. According to you. Um, we all have our preferences. Um, but here's the thing. He had to switch. Like this guy is considered one of the greatest competitors in the gi. So attacking, beating all the best people. He had to give the gi away to get good enough to compete in no gi. Yeah. And that's like, this is someone who's so good. If that's what he's got to do, what have you got to do? Do you know what I mean? To be able to, now obviously you're not trying to be, you know, a world champion, but if someone who's that fundamentally good at jujitsu has to say, no, I've got to park this and focus on one thing, I think that's a signal. That's what I take from that. Yeah, I agree with you. However, to that point of him being an elite competitor, the level of specialization that you have to dive into at that level is that's as extreme as it gets, isn't Mm. it? Like you're trying to be the best. So it's like, well, anything other than training specifically for what I'm trying to achieve is a distraction versus say the hobbyist where it's like, well, you're not trying to play at that level. So there is an argument for where you can be okay at this and okay at this. My counterpoint to that is you're still going to run into like if you're going to show up to a competition it doesn't matter if you enter the gi or the no gi you're going to be coming up against young talisman soros that guy just trains in the gi non-stop like that's all that kid's done for his whole life you're like ah oh, this new blue belt let me just have a roll with this kid but competition pop, pop. aside like just in terms and I, I mean i'm saying this i'm someone that recently chose no gi right yes so i agree with that but I also think that if you're just doing it to learn the art, I think that you can you can do both if you want. I think the game's changed. I think you'll do both poorly. Like I think it's that different now. Like Nogi Jiu-Jitsu is that different now because you've got blue belts learning leg locks and, and all this stuff that the knowledge base is disparate. Like so, you know, we were both talking about this just before. Craig Jones is saying black belts don't use side control. You know, you're going to the back, you're going to the mount, you're going, you're not trying to hold anyone anywhere, you're trying to attack. Yeah. Whereas there is a degree of strategy within Gi Jiu Jitsu, which is to control and to maintain position and position before submission and all this stuff. Whereas, you know, if you only do Jiu Jitsu three days a week, if that, if you're lucky, so you're just managing three, maybe you're getting two, and you're like, man, I do no Gi on Monday and I do Gi on Wednesday and I'm trying to do an open mat and you're just sucking, I'd say the best way forward is to try to pick one. And it doesn't mean this is forever. Just try that for three months and see how your progress goes. Because I feel like it's so hard. I believe personally now, and it depends on what gym you're at, you know, they they probably teach very good syllabus, gi and no gi. But what we're seeing more and more is the rise of a specialist gym, like compound or grappling education where there's a very strong discipline of no gi submission grappling yeah so yeah from a from a practical standpoint i totally agree like if you are in the training two three maybe four times a week you are going to get better if you just put all your eggs in one basket and yeah since we came back from adcc and you know for folks listening you probably got a bit of an impression i don't train a shitload of jits i train like two times a week at the moment i really want to get it up to three but haven't been able to for a while but I made the decision once we came back that I was just going to train no gi mm. because I found myself in a similar position. I'm like, all right, there's some holes in my game I want to address and I'm showing up to class and sometimes it's gi, sometimes it's no gi. 
I'm not actually getting enough repetition of the things that I want to work on. Exposure. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's trying to work my X guard in whatever in the gi. And then when it's no gi, I'm like, oh, I really want to dial in my front headlocks or my, you know, yeah. upper control. It's like they're very different things. Yes. So it's been, it's been great to make that change. Um, where, I, where I think this is a real tough one right now for students, like for people listening is and not so much for our friend, friend the black belt. No, let's we can talk about that after this is a separate thing. But for the student who's a bit newer to the game, there's a lot of gyms that still hold on to. You have to train both gi and no gi in order to be graded. Ah, oh, right, right, yeah, like fair enough. yeah, and I and I think that that's a great. It's a more of an old school, older school value of jujitsu. It's like, hey, if you want to get good at jujitsu, you got to know both ways. Yes, and um, that's real tough because. Yes. You show up to the no-gi class and there's all this fucking shit. It's like, man, I want to learn these leg locks and outside ashy. And you're like, I want to dive into this. But then it's like, yeah, but you got to come to gi tomorrow night as well. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, or maybe gi's your thing and it's the inverse. You know, yeah. maybe you really want to work on your bolo game and you're loving all that. Yeah. And the no-gi stuff's like, you know, coach's like, hey, you got to do gi. But it makes it tricky for the person who's like, well, I'm only here a few days a week. Right. I want to get recognized yes, for what course. I'm doing. Of course. So, I mean, how do you, how do you see that playing out? Sort of from now into the future. I think you got to. I think you have to make a personal decision about your own jujitsu. I think jujitsu is evolving to a point where it's like, and and I think this is you know this is life. You you get out of high school, no one's really holding you accountable. You go to university, hey, you pay us the money, you show up. You don't want to show up, you're going to pay us double and come to summer school. <laughs> yeah. If you want this to mean something, you got to assert yourself and really focus. And that's hard to tell a you know twenty twenty one year old who's drinking. To focus, right? Yeah. But the equivalent is you're an adult with a business and a job and kids and everything else. Very hard to focus on jujitsu. So you need to make a personal choice. Yeah, you might do a token class of gi or you might do a token class of no gi. But I personally feel that it doesn't matter what belt level you're at. You kind of have to make a choice on what you favor. And maybe that means you choose a gym that focuses on that. Mm. I think in the future there will be – no gi gyms and gi gyms. Yeah. And it will actually be the very few gyms that do both. It, this is my prediction, rightly or wrongly, because look at how many gyms are growing which are no gi only. Yeah. And when we're going popular. outside of 10th Planet, like shout out 10th Planet, much love. You know, they've been doing that a long time. But what I'm saying is like just looking around, oh, no, 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 we don't train in the gi. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then other people who've swung back harder the other way, like we are traditional. We must train in the gi. You know what I mean? Like it's funny. So if I was a white belt starting again right now, I would I would start no gi and go really hard on no gi and then come to the gi because I feel based off the technical approach, you have so much more control and so many more options in the gi which is great which is pretty much how i started but what that means is there's actually less movement and more control whereas no gi there's less control and way more movement i believe if you can become really good at no gi Mm. taking it the other way is easier like transitioning from no gi to gi i believe is easier than going from building a gi game where you're playing spider guard and lapels and pants grips and then suddenly it's all bloody slippery and like you, can walk, you know what I mean? Like the options are limited. I agree. That would be my take on it. Yeah, and no, I, I think there's a level of physicality to the no-gi that's beneficial for just athleticism 
isn't it? And movement yeah. and, you know, understanding top position and, yeah. you know, I think that that will carry over to your gi game. So on that, to the question we got from our mate, yeah. who's a black belt, who's like, well, what, am I te- what do I teach my guys? What, what are fundamentals now? Yeah, so this is a whole nother sort of dilemma mm. because – you look at what's happening in competitions, you know, you're seeing like the leg lock game prevail mm. at blue belt level. Yeah. Right? And so then it's like, well, arguably, you're going to teach your new guys the leg lock game because- You have to understand it. If, yeah, like they're going to get, if they, if they are competing, they're going to get caught out by that. Or even if they're training and, it's, and that's what everyone's doing. But then it begs the question, well, hang on, is that fundamental? Because it never was before, right? Fundamental was always, you know, side control, mount, back control, all those sort of really- foundational positions yes oh i think i wouldn't say oh it's fundamental but it's like you have to have awareness you know it's kind of like saying oh what's more important to teach a like choke defense or an armbar defense you know like they're both important yeah i i think having awareness of leg locks is important i don't think you have to like master leg locks at blue belt but someone's going to hit it with you whether it's a very merciless black belt just like i'm gonna kill this person (laughs) maybe they don't know this or maybe it's just like a super savvy blue belt from another gym comes in and just starts leg locking everybody it's like what's going on here i think this dogma of it's like the classic thing of like oh that's dirty jujitsu or that's not jujitsu this is bullshit no i think that's gone now you've got to really you've got to keep in your mind that essentially positional controls are different in the gi and the no gi yeah so what that means is if you're an instructor and you're trying to run a school, you've got to look at your constituent and you've got to go, well, not only what do I feel I need them to learn, but also where are they lacking? Because for some of them it might just be they're really bad at getting out of bad positions. So you've got to spend time on that. So without getting too dogmatic about it, this is the hard thing about teaching jiu-jitsu. It's not only you as an instructor what you want to teach, it's like what's the feedback from the group? Yeah. Because maybe everybody's like just trying to submit everybody and it's like, wow, I've got this room full of killers. Then you roll them, they have no defense. You get you know, you pass their guard and they just freak. Yeah. You know, things like this. So this is this is the juggle with being a coach and trying to teach your students. And you know, I've gone through this myself. I've had a plan in my head, like, all right, this is a perfect class. Teach this class. And then you get past step one, step two, and everyone's just asking heaps of questions like, Why don't you get this? Crazy white belts. Yeah. It's basic. My plan, no, but it's, my plan was flawed. Yeah, it's gone. And then, and so this is where it goes beyond the challenge of understanding jiu-jitsu and communicating jiu-jitsu, but coaching. Like, you know, we've, we've discussed this before, the art of coaching. Yeah. Your ability to give this information or just the right amount of information to these people that they get better that class at whatever it is, whether it's leg locks, chokes, fucking passing, whatever. Back in the day when I used to run the JITS program here, yeah. I kind of had the same idea of like – all right, we're going to do like a fundamentals class and we're going to cover these kind of key sort of themes and we're going to map out like you go from here to here to here and then sort of like chaining positions together. Yeah, definitely. And then once you get to the regular class, then we're breaking down each of the positions in more detail. Yes. And that seemed really great and I thought, yeah, this is complete, you know, and I had a spreadsheet and nice. You know, you have all the passes. Very all technical. The keys. Yeah, I, well, I wanted that so I didn't have to come in each time and be like, oh, fuck, what are we doing today? What are we doing? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty, pretty – Yeah, and, you know, we do that, right, with strength training and mobility. It's like you just map out the movements the and the positions and the progressions. It's kind of a thing. But I've also been exposed to – well, I, I realised with that that you're like, 
This works really well if everyone shows up all the time. Of course. But of course people don't. Yeah. Things happen, people miss things and whatever, like new shit comes up. Someone, oh, hey, can you tell us like what's that thing we saw in competition or someone caught me with this or what's that thing Gordon Ryan's doing all the yeah. time? And before you know it, you're like, fuck, it's not just this simple little isolated environment where I can control all of the exposure to the techniques, Yeah, which it probably was in the past, right? We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have internet. Yeah. So students come in, they're like, tell me. And you tell them and they do. Yes. Versus now everyone's buying fanatics, instructionals, watching Instagram clips, right? All that shit. Sure. So the other side of it that I've been exposed to with a couple of coaches is more of this not trying to build a complete understanding of all of the foundational, all the fundamental things, but rather just going, we're going to build you a game from day one. Cool. Your game is you pull X guard, then you go to this attack, or then you go to this sweep, then you go to this, here's this pass. And they basically train the students to just go to a specific game. And once they get on that game, they're really fucking good. Yes. Now, of course, the trade-off is... They're going to have weak spots everywhere. That's right. But they've got a game. But if they can get their game off, it's a bad day for anyone. Yeah. You know? And I've actually been kind of applying that with my... Because I'm trying to pick up a bunch of new no-gi stuff. Yep. And so I'm coming in like a white belt. I'm like, what what do I do from here? Like, what... And um, the coach and I have been getting from Paul. Yes. Old mate, Paul Smeebert. Shout out to the guy. Shout out. Hope the knee's good. Yep. Had a scan on the weekend. He'll find out the verdict this week, I believe. Okay, fingers crossed. Yeah, you know, like it's he, that's what he does. Like he just he just maps out a game. And so in any case, I actually find that quite as a student, I quite like it. Yes. Because it simplifies things. Yep. Now, where do you see some an approach like that fitting in versus the hey, let's teach you all the things? I, no, I, I think that all the things is bullshit. I agree with you entirely. And my metaphor is an island. So if we think of all of jiu-jitsu is the world, the globe. And you're just, you've just been stuck down like it's a video game. You're, you have to survive on a little island. You walk around the island and you find some coconuts. Sick. Okay, we've got some coconuts. Ah, I need to learn how to light a fire. Light a fire. Catch some fish. Okay, I've explored my island. It's this little fucking island. Okay, cool. All right, I know how to survive here. I killed the bear. Yes, I win. Ah, oh, I can see an island over there. Fuck, I want to get over there. Every time you keep going over there, you get attacked by a shark or, shit, I need to build a raft. And so that is the transition from understanding one position to the next. And the next closest island, it might be a bit bigger, a bit harder, or maybe it's just small, but you can't see from where you are. You've got to go over there. The transition from going that that body of knowledge that you know to a new one, it might get you killed. You might get eaten by a shark. (laughs) Or you start again, you're on the island. Well, I'm not going to go there again. So some people just stay on that island forever, right? But if you're able to navigate to the next, you're like, oh, bigger challenges, bigger bears. Fuck, there's no coconuts here. Shit, there's a cave full of bats. Whatever, you know. And so (laughs) you, you, you learn to master the next island and you are plotting out these islands as your jujitsu. And there are some islands that are closer than others. Yeah. So, for example, butterfly guard uh, as, a, as a, a position leads to X guard. In the same way, close guard very easily goes to Della Heva. And this is where you start getting into like inside leg position, two legs outside position. Half guard is like one leg in, one leg out. Half guard goes to reverse Della Heva. You know, like I've, I've mapped these things out and I've also bounced this off people smarter than me for me to organize it in my brain. So if someone comes to me and they're like, I'm like, what position do you mainly play? Oh, I play half guard. I'm like, cool. I can go through iterations of half guard, whether it's deep half guard, knee shield, whatever. And I'm like, and if they stand, you can play reverse De La Hiva. 
It's a very easy yeah. step. That's my take on it, right? Yeah. So I think the thing is you have to learn how to conquer and survive on your first little island and then you branch out and the challenges get bigger and you get smarter and, and you've got to go with that. And your ability to transition between them is dependent on how many times you've done that journey. That makes a lot of sense. So that's my, t- that's my take on it. And if you don't even know how to survive... Jules, is that not the most intelligent thing you've ever heard come out of JT's mouth? <laughs> I mean, guys, please call in. Tell us. You agree. <laughs> I think it's just because it's congruent with what you said. Highly rational. <laughs> I've thought a lot about this. <laughs> it may not seem so. But uh, no, I, I, you know, I've been obsessed with learning jiu-jitsu for such a long time. And so what I do... I mean, I... Actually designed a game based on it, Joe. Oh, did you? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Has the game got a name? <laughs> Funny you mention it. It's actually called Jugo. <laughs> there you go. Right on. But it 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 came from my need to categorize and understand jujitsu because it's like an itch. It just bugs you, right? How come I can't do that? Why does that guy always get me in thinking through it? And it, essentially, you know, I write in, in my journal all the time. And yeah, I, I try to organize my thoughts. Everybody's different. I totally understand that. So I wouldn't expect people to just get on board with this. But if you have a natural, let's say you're a sprawl and brawl kind of human. <laughs> you're like, I want to do takedowns. I want to just fucking snap someone down and headlock them. That's a game. And there's a whole bunch of attacks that chain off that. So if instead of the coach being like, no, Joey, it's not how you do jiu-jitsu. You do it like this. It's like, no, you're natural. Like you, you've got a really great base. It's hard to take you down. You want to wrestle or you want to bang. All right, cool. Let's build a game around that because that, that's a type of jujitsu as well. Yeah. So whenever I'm working with some, like if I do a private lesson or if I see a student's got a, like a natural proclivity for um, something, my sick. Let's, let's, let's double down on your strengths. Let's nurture that. Yeah, and build off that because then they're going to get more immediate reward feedback, which is encourages them to stick at it. Because there's so much stuff that makes you want to quit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think early on you're a white belt or you're a blue belt. I don't think there's anything wrong with like really doubling down on, on a particular game, whatever that might be. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So, man, it is hard to keep up. Let's, let's be honest. The thing that hurts me is that the memory of jiu-jitsu is very short. So everybody's always trying to come out with a new move. Yeah. But it's not a new move. It's just a move that they did 10 years ago and then – but. Everybody who loved the guy from 10 years ago is like almost retired now. Yeah. So then all the new kids are like, oh, yeah, ice cream, Fresh. lapel choke, amazing. You're like, no, dude, that's the it's a ninja choke. Let's bar at your sheet, a motherfucker. Yeah, eat that, Jiu-Jitsu X, you suckers. So lame. <laughs> it was like very famous, like Barrett does this thing where he takes out his gi and wraps it around your neck and chokes you while you're in crucifix. Right on. Very famous for it. Yeah. It's called the Assassin Choke by Barrett Yoshida. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Then some kids from Ireland or England said, oh, I call it the, like, the ice cream. Like it's like when you <laughs> soft – it was like such rubbish and everyone in the chorus is like, this is bad. You see this joke. You disrespectful motherfuckers. They're like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, just some randoms. And uh, I was like, yeah, unfollow Jiu-Jitsu-X, Keenan. That was a bad move. I know you want that money, homie. I know you want a second Tesla, but fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think that's the thing. You're that's trying the to the JT we know. <laughs> no <laughs> <and> love. <laughs> Just headbutting anything he doesn't agree with. Um, no, I think you're starting jujitsu. My personal recommendation, pick a position yeah. or pick a pass or whatever it is. Learn the hell out of it and then, and, and then build, build around that. That's my personal take regardless of what your coach says. Yeah. You need to be proactive and you need to be mentally disciplined about not taking on all this excess shit that you see 
Like just because your favorite guy did a thing, don't do that. Just keep working on that thing until you really feel like it's it's working. Yeah. And I feel like jujitsu techniques are like lifting techniques. You need to be able to hit that technique on the white belts because they're the warm-up weight. Then once you've got your warm-up weights down, your technique's good, does your technique hold up against blue belts because then that's a, that's a heavier kettlebell to lift. Yeah. And if your technique breaks down under heavier weights like purple belts and brown belts, your technique's not that good. Yeah. You need to be able to execute that technique all the way through to your max lifts. And maybe your max lift is just a white belt right now. Fair. You know what I mean? Which it should be when it's a new technique. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way I always test my new shit on white belts. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and then work but it But does it actually work in that sim- – because that's a very nice simplistic way to look – to model it. But does it actually work? And my reason for asking is often when you're trying to do something against like a new white belt, they don't move like everyone they do else. Weird stuff. They do weird shit. And you're like, fuck, the thing that I came in here to do – I actually can't do it now. I'm just going to put you in side control and grind your face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, yeah. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think there's a bit of that. Because, but also then you get people who've got like crazy traits, like they're super elastic. So you're trying to work on a, a leg lock or an arm bar and you can bend them inside out. They won't tap. Yeah. So that's not a proper reflection. But I think, so there's a great book. Um, it's called Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke. And she was a World Series of Poker champion. Her brother also is a World Series of Poker champion. And so the Thinking in Bets book, she talks about resulting. This is a mistake we make with our decision-making where basically you have a good, deci- you have a good decision chain and you get a bad result. So you're like, oh, throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, that thinking was fucked yeah. because I got a bad result. It's not true. But then the other thing that happens in poker is you have really dodgy decision-making and then for the luck of the hand, you win. You're like, I'm a genius. <laughs> That is also resulting. The key thing is being able to understand if your thinking was clear or not and don't worry about the result as much as you worry about your process. Right. And so this is super important that your process is sound and the way of your thinking of jiu-jitsu is clear regardless of outcome. I like that. So that's – this is what I'd say. This Fuck, this, we can go so deep on this, but it, honestly, people, you've got to pick. That's my take on it. I feel like regardless of what your coach says, pick a position – pick a discipline of jiu-jitsu and then uh, get after it. Yeah, and I, I reckon like you are – depending where your gym is and the culture of your gym, we do know of certain gyms that have more of a closed culture. Yes. And one of the benefits for places co- – like for the for the coaching staff in those gyms is they can really control yes. what they're coaching and, that, and that's totally fine if that's your thing. But for the majority of gyms that are – you know, a lot of the students are watching flow grappling, they're watching ADCC, they're buying the shit, they've got the sick rashies, you know. Um, for these gyms, they're going to be like, they're going to be very influenced by what's happening at the top level of the sport. Yes. So, you know, I think about that, say, at, at, over at Gracie Balmain where I've been training, it's a lot of like, man, what was Gordon doing in ADCC? What's that sure. passing sequence? And that's the theme for like the next little while. Yeah. And... I think there's a case for I think there's a case for both approaches. I personally think that 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 way it works for me. I like it. It's an open environment. It's evolving. It lends itself to hey, we're doing a deep dive on this type of position right now. Yeah. And then in time, you're going to come back around to oh well, everyone's countering that thing with yeah. this now, and that's also guiding what you what you're studying. Uh, I, look, look, I, I think if it. If you can find something that works for you, that's one of the hardest things in jiu-jitsu. So if it's working for you, cool. And this is not because I have a personal grievance with Gordon Ryan. He is very trait dependent. 
he's a trait dependent guy. He's got super long arms, super long legs. And even though his torso looks massive, it's not compared to the rest of him. This is where you start digging in super deep. Like let's look at the Rotolos. Their understanding, their movement and how they work is so deep. You're not just going to be able to just move like the Rotolo brothers. You know, also they're super flexible. So you're like, oh, did you see that heel hook defense that Cade did against Lockie? Yeah, Lockie would have broken your freaking leg off if you're not Cade Rotolo. <laughs> because like, oh, he went this way and he spun back that way. But the way he spun, if you analyze it, he could have recoded his own knee. Like he, he did the defense and then he actually spun the way you're not meant to. Yep. But he bet his knee and his flexibility to do yeah. it. But if you're someone else, you might, you might recode your own knee. Yeah. And this is where it's super tough. I look at uh, – because I do, I do study really hard all the major players in jiu-jitsu. And I think to myself, is this skill dependent or is this trait dependent? Like a guy like Nicky Rod. I feel Gordon's stuff is very much skill dependent. No, 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 no. I'm not saying like he's in not terms skilled. Of, I'm not saying he's not skilled. But no, I know. But like from the, the, an applicability to other people, I'm like, yeah, his shit's really good for that. Oh, no. He, he, his jiu-jitsu is amazing, but that's his jiu-jitsu for his body. Like my friend, shout out Justin, Justin Mason, just got his brown belt. Shout out. Justin he's a, Mason. He's a nugget. Just got his brown belt. Right on. Right? He's got... Short legs, short limbs, and a long torso. He's like, bro, I just got that Gordon Ryan passing DVD where he's like posting. It's like what um, uh, yeah. Leandro Lowe used to like do. floating. Like, yeah, passing on the hands and whipping on the legs and stuff. It's like his arms are longer than your whole body, bro. You can't do that. You'll get swept. You post on your arms, your shoulder's lower than your hip, you're falling. It's not happening. But if you don't understand that as a principle that you have to have your shoulder slightly higher than your hip, then you, you know what I mean? Like it's... So, all right, well, I guess but, Gordon gets rich and you didn't improve. Ar- arguably, you're going to find that every kind of – or most athletes are somehow tailoring their game to their body type, right? Uh, yeah, like of you course. Could, you of could course, make that but no point. one's doing that analysis. Like, oh, are you six foot four and have ridiculous gorilla long arms and really long legs and super jacked and strong? Shout out Dan Hartman, um, <laughs> handsome mullet. Not everyone's Fantastic like that. <laughs> the best mullet. So then that being the case, how do you then choose – how do you then choose who you would – like which influence you would take? Uh, I think we always model the game that we admire. But that's not always – you know, like oh, fuck, Huffa Mendez. Oh, my God, Mikey Musumeci. You're like, Mikey Musumeci is actually really tall for his weight. Yeah, but wait, we're trying to column. simplify it for folks right now, right. not make it harder. Okay. Here's the thing. It's important for you, anybody, man, woman, or child doing jiu-jitsu – if you've hit the point where you're starting to understand jiu-jitsu bigger than just what your coach says, that's usually something beyond the first couple of months, right? You usually have to have done jiu-jitsu for a little while before you start really paying attention to specific fighters and what they do, blah, blah, blah. It would be important for you to find out if there is any body correlation. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not to say you can't be a small guy and play pressure, right? But for anyone who I train who's tiny, I'm like, look at Bruno Malfasini. Incredible mover, one of the best movers of all time. Uh, are you a giant unit, but also a little bit fat? Bushesha. <laughs> like, you know, like I really try and go weight class. Look at the weight class. What weight class are you in? Look at some of the other people in your weight class. Like, who's the best in your weight class? That's what I always did. I'm like, who's the world champion? Who's the best? Who would I have to fight if I was trying to be a world champion? That's who I would model off. Because I had a very new white belt telling me, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm gassing. Oh, Nicky Rod. I'm like, bro, you can't be Nicky Rod. Like, you know, it, it's really tough and because I don't want to be negative, it's literally you should choose. Do you not want to be negative? 
I love being negative, Joe, but it's not good for people. <laughs> it just satisfies my need to be a hater. No, you got to pick. You got to pick a style. You got to pick a discipline. And it is good to pick somebody who you have more similar traits to. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, if you can find someone that has those traits that's similar to you, that's a great place to start. That's why I'd say. Hope that helps, fam. <laughs> Guys, thanks for tuning in. Hey, if you want some help with your training, we got you. Go to bulletproofforbjj.com. You can sign up for our program for free. You get a whole week for free. You can see all the programs. You can start training. And if you like it, stick around and subscribe. Use the code BJJPODCAST and you'll get 20% off your subscription. And if you want help with that shit, get in touch with us. We're there. We're on our social group. We're on the Instagram. We're here on the YouTube. And we appreciate you guys. Peace. Thank you. Thank you.